All right, so I'm walking along, headphones in, just walking along and came upon somebody on the trail. And I looked at her and I smiled and said, good morning, just like that. She looked at me, didn't smile and walked past me. And I thought, rude. Got over it in a few seconds and walked for a little bit longer, maybe 20, 30 minutes later, around at another corner. Someone walked by me, smiled, nodded, said, good morning. And I looked at that person and nodded. Didn't say anything because I was listening intently to a portion of the book. Didn't really realize I hadn't said anything back, but it just nodded in their direction until I was down the trail a little bit further. And then I thought, oh, ah. well, the reason I didn't say anything back is because I was listening intently to my book. <laughs> but the reason that first person didn't respond when I said good morning was because she was rude. I was concentrating. She was rude. Then finally came back to my house, walked in and sat down for a minute, kind of reliving the moment and flashed back to me. And I realized that I had committed a wonderful error in a frame of reference. I had committed what's called an attributional error. Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. All right, we're ready for another one. Let me walk around in here right now and turn off some really bad fluorescent lights that are back here in the studio. And, oh, there's a fan over here. I'm gonna turn that off too because, there we go, turn that big old fan off. That pulls the cigar smoke out of the studio. <laughs> and uh, this microphone is so incredibly good that it picks up every noise. It picks up thoughts. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Good afternoon. I don't know if it's afternoon for you right now or if it's just afternoon for me. I'm recording this on a Thursday, yet another Thursday afternoon. Let me get that. Let me get that microphone boom right about where it's supposed to be. I should be far enough away that I don't distort this and don't make the editing process more difficult. Oh, there's another. Yep, there's another fluorescent light. I'm going to reach up there, turn that one off. There we go. All right, there. How's this? Listen now. Ah, oh, that's better. No sounds in the background. Got a lot more I want to share with you today. Just got back from a walk in the woods. I like to do that a few times a week. It's good for my brain. <laughs> and, uh, I usually go and walk in silence, but sometimes I'll throw my Apple AirPods in. Anyway, I had these wonderful headphones in walking on this beautiful walk through the woods. Deep and dark and lovely. And I typically think of Robert Frost when I'm walking through those woods. But today I'm listening to a really good book on some philosophers. And you might think, what's he doing listening to that stuff? But got some great stuff I've been listening to. All right, so I'm walking along, headphones in, 
and got my beanie on because it's kind of cold. Just walking along and came upon somebody on the trail, on a wide part of the trail, walking her dog. And I looked at her and I smiled. We were eight, nine, or ten feet apart. Looked at her and smiled and said, good morning. Just like that. At least I think that's what it sounded like. She looked at me, didn't smile, and walked past me. Didn't say a word. <laughs> and I thought, rude? Got over it in a few seconds and walked for a little bit longer, maybe 20, 30 minutes later, around at another corner. Someone walked by me, no dog this time, walked by me, smiled, nodded, said, good morning. And I looked at that person and nodded, didn't say anything because I was listening intently to a portion of the book. Didn't really realize I hadn't said anything back, but it just nodded in their direction until I was down the trail a little bit further. And then I thought, oh, ah. well, the reason I didn't say anything back is because I was listening intently to my book. <laughs> oh, but the reason that first person didn't respond when I said good morning was because she was rude. I was concentrating. She was rude. And then I bobbled my head a little bit as I realized that and walked on. Then finally came back to my house, walked in and sat down for a minute, kind of reliving the moment and flashed back to me. And I realized that I had committed a wonderful error in a frame of reference. I had committed what's called an attributional error. <laughs> We've talked about that maybe once or twice before in some of our podcasts or on our Hilt Academy YouTube videos, which I, shameless plug, want you to go over and check those out. Tell me what you think. Subscribe when you're there so I know that it's worthwhile. But I've talked about this a little bit before. An attributional error. That's when I do something, I do it for wonderful and pure reasons and good motives and they all make sense. When you do the exact same thing and it irritates me, you do it from a rotten, evil, stinky place in your soul. <laughs> well, that is an example of what we talked about in the last podcast, which I call Great Mental Models Make Great Leaders. Part one. This is part two. And we talked about Einstein's theory of relativity and specifically applied that theory of relativity to our frame of reference. That attributional error <laughs> is what psychologists use to describe a faulty or incomplete frame of reference. <laughs> Who knows what the other two people were thinking when they passed by? Don't really care that much, <laughs> but it sure illustrates this point that you and I, if we are to be great leaders, have to have great mental models. And this mental model of the theory of relativity zoomed in specifically applied to our frame of reference whenever we're experiencing or looking at something is so powerful and I appreciate it a great deal. You know what else I appreciate? Sorry, no bourbon this time. I'm actually sipping some coffee. Coffee doesn't usually star in my podcasts, but man, there's a lot of great coffee out there, and I enjoy drinking coffee quite a bit. I'll have three or four cups of coffee a day, and uh, it doesn't give me the jitters like it does other people. It might be because I've been drinking coffee since I was four. <laughs> I've always liked coffee. I don't always like the specific coffee that I'm drinking, but I've always liked coffee. Today, I'm drinking a coffee from the Black Rifle Coffee Company. I I think this one is Blackbeard's Delight. It's one of their more popular blends. And the reason I got it is because they don't have a Graybeard's Delight. <laughs> My beard is mostly gray. Blackbeard's Delight is a very good cup of coffee. It's, uh, let's see what the review says about it. They say it's a 100% Brazilian Arabica coffee. Now, I really enjoy that because I'm also smoking a good cigar with a cup of coffee. And this is one of the, the Gurkha cigars. And it's quite good. Anyway, back to the coffee. It's 
uh, it's dark roasted, but it doesn't have all that kind of zippy bitterness that sometimes Starbucks can have. Like it's a bit overdone. So no, not this one. It's quite good. And I, I do notice that probably because of the cigar I'm smoking, <laughs> but it has it has a little bit of a campfire kind of smoky aroma to it. It's quite good. And you know, and, and it's dark and beautifully done. And I make it with a Chemex pour over. So I make it even darker, dark enough to chew. <laughs> it does have a super dark chocolate aftertaste to it as well. Anyway, I like this stuff a lot. I like the company, the Black Rifle Coffee Company. They're very good. I like their mission. I like how they do their business. And mostly <laughs> I like their coffee. So that's what we're doing today. We're having a Gurkha Governor's Cigar, the private blend. I think this is the, I took the band off. So I think that's what this is. Anyway, let's talk some more about this first great mental model that flows from Einstein's theory of relativity. And so you all remember a little bit about Einstein's theory of relativity. Maybe you hopped on and did the Google or went to Wikipedia, or maybe you got a little bit deeper, or maybe you even paid attention when you were <laughs> in science class when you were in high school or in college, and you understand that he divided the theory of relativity into two different buckets. One of them he called special relativity, and that applies to the frame of reference that we use when something is moving at a constant speed. And then the idea of general relativity applies to a frame of reference when things are accelerating. So I told a story about being in my SUV and falling asleep while Donnie was driving and he accelerated. So that, of course, would have been general relativity. <laughs> if we were moving at a constant speed, including not moving at all, then special relativity applies. But what pops out to me here and how helpful it is to describe the mental models of these great leaders that I have known and aspire to be is this whole idea of the frame of reference. And the point I wanted to make in the last one that I'll reiterate in this one is that if if I am to truly gain wisdom and if I am to have good insight and to make good plans and plans that come to fruition and have impact to be what some might call successful as a leader, then I need to have a voracious curiosity about the frame of reference that individuals and groups have regarding anything that we talk about. And we went into that in great detail. And remember, I suggested that the time to get curious about a frame of reference is whenever there's a change that even slightly impacts people's schedule or the structure of their job or, or the space in which they work or staffing or their status, their perceived status, uh, or even the stuff, what I call the tools of work. When any of those things start to change at all, even small changes from your perspective, from your frame of reference, you need to get very curious with people about their frame of reference and get curious in the beginning of an idea, get curious as it starts moving, get curious as it accelerates, get curious about the frame of reference that people have in each of those arenas. And then today I want to give you a little bit more around this whole first great mental model, that theory of relativity, this frame of reference thing applied. There we go. Relighting my cigar. Oh, this is a very, very good cigar. It's a great big cigar. It's about a 55 a ring. Maybe it might even be a as big as a 60 ring and it's seven inches long. No wonder it's called the governor's Gurkha <laughs> because it's huge. I feel a bit like a governor whenever I smoke this cigar. I really like it. It's a wonderful cigar. But for today's purposes, more thoughts about how to apply Einstein's theory of relativity, specifically the concept of the frame of reference. That first idea I shared a moment ago is attributional error. That's a frame of reference error. I hear a few more frames of reference along with the attributional error that I talked about that you and I might want to be aware of. One of them is a frame of reference 
of time. Everyone has a different way of thinking about time. Some folks, their frame of reference is yesterday. Their frame of reference is the past. This is a person who is 65 years old, 45 pounds heavier than he was in high school, and he's still wearing his high school letterman's jacket. And his most defining and wonderful moments are all behind him. <laughs> he relates everything in life to the state championship that they won when he was a junior in high school on the football team. <laughs> As somebody who's focused on the past, and that's their frame of reference, is the past. There's a bunch of mental models and assumptions that might go with that. Uh, they might want to hang on to the past. They might want to keep the past. They might want to return to the past. They also tend to believe that their memory of the past is accurate. And <laughs> we know that's not true. <laughs> Our memory of the past is salient and we tend to edit it to feel good about it as time goes on. You find at work also that some people, their frame of reference is in the past. They experienced a wrong or a disappointment or something like that 10 years ago. And yet when you talk with them, about it, it is though it just happened. So it's important whenever you interact with someone as a leader to get into their frame of reference about time. Maybe they're living in the frame of reference of the past. Maybe they don't have any of that frame of reference. Maybe it's future. Maybe they have a future frame of reference where they're always thinking about tomorrow and they're thinking about the future. Leaders tend to think, like you, from the future back to today. They're not trapped in some fantasy about the future that doesn't relate to today. Really good leaders have a frame of reference where they understand lessons learned from the past, but are focused on the future and then quickly look back to the reality of today to see how big of a gap there is between the future thing that they're wanting to achieve, the mission that they're after, and where they are specifically today, and then how to get from here to there. That is a frame of reference. By the way, that future focus that I just described is a fairly rare frame of reference. It's probably safe for you to assume that almost every time you talk with somebody that you're leading, that they do not have that frame of reference. I think the most common frame of reference is yesterday, a Mixed with a little bit of today. What do I feel like today? The most common frame of reference around time is that tomorrow will be like today. If today is rotten, then tomorrow will be rotten. If today is delightful, well, tomorrow will probably be delightful too. Folks are a little too nervous to think much further down the road because what that means then is that they need to have another frame of reference. That if they want something in a frame of reference that is tomorrow and that it's not going to naturally happen, then they need to do something today that's a bit uncomfortable to get to that tomorrow that they desire more. That idea that tomorrow is worth more than the suffering of today is a kind of rare one to have for folks. But if you have that, then you will likely be a very effective leader. You're going to sacrifice today in large and not so large, in granular and grand ways, so that tomorrow will be better. And how far out in time tomorrow is for you might be different from one to the other. But the basic frame of reference concept is is the same if you're tomorrow focused. So circle all the way around here. You and I want to be very curious that about a person's frame of reference with respect to time, because everything that they experience and interpret will be from within that frame of reference. To use Einstein's theory of relativity again, what you may experience as a wonderful thing today, they would experience as relatively a bad thing based in part upon their frame of reference about time. So of course we can learn a new frame of reference and it's not necessarily your job to always go correcting people's frames of reference when they are off or complete. But it is very important, my point being, that you as a leader and that I as a leader understand the frame of reference regarding time that people have got. 
Okay, so the next frame of reference that you and I want to understand thoroughly flows from Newton's first law. And his first law, you and I have come to understand as inertia. The idea is that every object, and stay with me here, all right, don't roll your eyes like, ah, what's he talking about here? I'm just trying to figure out how to be a better supervisor. <laughs> but Newton's first law really says that every object, if it's in motion, it will remain in motion unless it's acted upon by some outside force. We call that inertia. So inertia can be momentum or it can be stasis. So the frame of reference concept here that you and I want to practice and that all great leaders practice, although they may not talk like Newton, <laughs> is how long has it been this way? And how big is it? Because that goes to another one of Newton's laws, and it has to do with mass. And so to mix these two together, inertia and mass, we want to understand how long has this group been sitting still in this same way of functioning and how big is the group and how deep are the habits. If it's a big group, deep habits, been sitting there for a long time, not changing much at all, and then you as a leader want to come in and get it to move, you have to act upon it with a lot of force. <laughs> we'll call that energy. We'll call that persuasion. We'll call it personality. You have to act on it a lot. You have to exert a lot of outside force on it to get it to move. Then once it starts to move and move well, then it will tend to keep moving in that direction. It takes a lot of energy to be a leader. So you and I want to be able to understand this specific frame of reference. How long and how big? <laughs> how long has it been the way it's been? And how big is it? Is it a little thing that you can move with a flick of your leadership finger and it's only been sitting there for a little while? Or is it a great big thing that you could thump at it all day long and it is barely going to move, if at all? How long and how big are the two frames of references that you want to be able to understand if you're going to lead well? And it's possible that a person in their position in an organization or in their team at work has been functioning like this for 10 years, 15 years, unhindered, unaided, and they have changed their schedule, they've changed their relationships, they've changed their diet, their physical health, their debt load, they've changed everything to fit within this current state. And it's not just them, but it's two dozen of them. And they all reinforce one another. And so although it doesn't feel to them like they're sitting still and nothing is changing because they work hard and they go home at the end of every day and they take a rare vacation and they complain all the way, it doesn't feel to them like nothing is changing. Then you as a leader step in and want to encourage them to change and there is profound resistance. Well, understand this Newton's concept that if something is sitting still and it's very big and it's been sitting still for very long, it's going to take a lot of force on that thing to get it to move and to keep it moving. We'll talk more about keeping things moving coming up later in one of our other great mental models podcasts. But for now, how you and I can use this idea of inertia is to get at the frame of reference that everyone is using in that organization or team or entity that you're trying to work with. If it's been going on for 30 years, and even if people have complained about it nonstop throughout that 30 years, it is going to take a tremendous amount of energy on your part and that of other leaders to get it to budge at all. When it starts to move, it'll take less energy 
and then eventually, then that law will work in your favor. This makes me think of why winning teams keep winning. Well, it's inertia. (laughs) Why is it that an athlete that goes into a slump and can't get out of it quickly will stay in a slump and end his career in a slump? It's inertia. (laughs) It's a simple way of thinking about another one of these great mental models. Realize what you're up against. Realize what you're dealing with through this concept called inertia. Get into that frame of reference. Another one of these great frames of reference is the mental model around me or us. If your frame of reference is me, then you say things like, your job is to make me look good, or your job is to work in such a way that it doesn't annoy me. If your frame of reference is us, then you have the courage to not only serve the group, but to call individuals to serve the group when it's harder on them during a season than it is on the rest of the group. This frame of reference that the team is more important than the comfort of the individual is a very powerful, powerful frame of reference. It might to you seem like, well, duh, this is just common sense. Well, it is not. Look around you. Many people that you lead have never experienced this frame of reference. The me versus us frame of reference. There's another frame of reference that's quite powerful. We've mentioned it before, and this is what we call the internal versus external locus of control frame of reference. It has been around and defined since the 1940s, and I like it a lot. The idea here is, as you remember, that you and I actually, if we have an internal locus of control mindset, believe that and function like we are in control, but only of three things. We're in control of whom we trust and rely on, We are in control of our perspective, that is our frame of reference, (laughs) and we're in control of our behavior right here and right now. No one is making me do it, (laughs) right? An external locus of control person just believes that the quality of their life is the result of externalities that they have no control over. That's why they whine and complain so much. Here's the last one of these frames of reference. There's many more of them as I'm illustrating how important it is that you and I have this great mental model that we learned from Einstein called the theory of relativity, and that we zoom in on that theory of relativity and voraciously explore the frame of reference that people have got as they experience some facts on the ground. This is very important, but here's the last one I want to share in this podcast today. We could go on forever. There's so many of these really cool illustrations of this frame of reference concept, and that is the frame of reference around work. If you have a frame of reference around work that says work is life sapping, you will have a much different leadership outcome and career and life than if you have a frame of reference that says work can be life-giving, if it's work with meaning and purpose and significance. And even though that meaning and purpose and significance may not to others look all that meaningful, (laughs) if at the core of it I'm serving other people and daring them to be great in that work, then the work itself has taken on new meaning and new significance. So think about yourself. Do you uh, do you apply the uh, frame of reference of attributional error? <laughs> someone cuts you off in traffic, do you think they are evil and rotten and out to get you? But if you cut someone off in traffic, <laughs> you're a great driver and you don't need to have as much space between your car and their car because you're a very skilled driver. <laughs> That's attributional error. What is your frame of reference about time. Are you future-oriented or past-oriented or right here, right now, nothing else oriented? What is your frame of reference around inertia? How, How long has this been going on and how big is it? What's your frame of reference around me? It's all about me 
or it's about the team. What's your frame of reference around this locus of control? Where's the control for the quality of your life? Where's the agency? Where is the responsibility for the quality of your life? Is it internal to you? You're responsible for whom you trust and what's your frame of reference and and what's your behavior? Or is it external to you where you blame everyone and everyone else is responsible for the quality of your life? And finally, in this list, what is your frame of reference around work? Your work, your work today. Look at your calendar. Do you look at what you're going to be doing today and realize that if you have the right frame of reference, that is that work can be life-giving, the load will be lighter (laughs) instead of, I have to do this. All right, so we're coming right to the end of this shorter podcast than the one we did last time. And I want to leave you with this. Why? Well, this matters a lot. Why? When I talk with these and you've gotten to know these great leaders who have all these great mental models over the years, they can easily answer, why? Most of the time when we ask them, well, why? Why do you do this? Why do you think like this? Why do you practice sharpening your mental models? They say, because I care. Because the people that I lead matter and because the work we are about matters. They also say, because my frame of reference, while very accurate, they would say humbly and precise and rich, is incomplete. And so I need to understand the frame of reference of those people around me. When they get practical and I ask, why do you you work at these mental models and sharpen them so continually? They'll say, because it's kind of a shortcut to excellence. (laughs) If I can understand a person's frame of reference before I invest deeply in something, I'll still invest most likely, but I'll invest differently. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? This is an example of a customer-focused company compared to a company that's focused only on itself. You're a customer-focused organization. You choose deliberately the frame of reference of the people that you serve, and you work from that, even though their frame of reference might be difficult to define. But when you do discover it, even though it's a little bit different than yours, you find that it is valuable. I ask them, why? Why do you do this? Why do you work so hard at these mental models? And then they have said things like, because I will eventually (laughs) discover the frame of reference of my team or of my coworkers, or of the people that I'll serve, I will eventually discover it. <laughs> I'm going to find out sooner or later. I'd rather find out sooner because it keeps me from having to rework, redo, drag my feet, <laughs> hang my head in shame, or just get angry and deny reality. <laughs> I'm such a fan of these people. It's probably you. It's likely one of you or many of you that I'm talking to right now are one of these people who have got these great mental models. Like I say, great mental models make great leaders. Ooh. And this was a great cup of coffee. I paused the recording at least twice to pop it back in the microwave so that it's hot. I do like cold coffee and I do like hot coffee, but I don't like lukewarm coffee. I want it to be hot or cold or I will spit it out of my mouth. (laughs) Reference anyone? (laughs) Anyway, good coffee. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Here's to you. Nice job and great cigar. Great cigars make great leaders. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate the opportunity to spend some of it with you. If this was worthwhile, why not take a minute and share this podcast with a friend? You could also check out our YouTube channel that's packed full of more ideas that will help you grow as a leader. It's called the Hilt Academy on YouTube. 
H-I-L-T stands for High Impact Leadership Training. You can also find my latest books on Amazon. Just search for Dr. D. Hicks, or you can find out more on dhicks.com. Once again, thanks. Keep up the good work. Thanks.